Hello everyone and welcome to the podcast. Uh, today I'd like to go a little further if, with the psychological criticism and I wanted to uh, give you a little bit of an example of how that would be used in practice. Uh, since I mentioned Faulkner's The Sound and the Fury in the last episode, I figured I would start with uh, first reading the opening to the novel and then talking about it from a psychological perspective. Um, this should help you to see a little bit of how you can use it to make more sense of what it is you're reading. Uh, the novel starts out through the fence between the curling flower spaces I could see them hitting. They were coming toward where the flag was and I went along the fence. Luster was hunting in the grass by the flower tree. They took the flag out and they were hitting. Then they put the flag back and they went to the table and he hit and the other hit. They went on and I went al along the fence. Luster came away from the flower tree and we went along the fence and they stopped and we stopped and I looked through the fence while Luster was hunting in the grass. Here caddy, he hit. They went away across the pasture. I held to the fence and watched them going away. Listen at you now, Luster said. Ain't you something 33 years old going on that way? After I done, went all the way to town to buy you that cake. Hush up that moaning. You ain't gonna help me find the quarter so I can go to the show tonight. They were hitting little across the pasture. I went along the fence to where the flag was. It flapped on the bright grass and the trees. Okay, coming into this novel for the first time, this is very, very confusing for most people. Um, Faulkner is writing first-person point of view uh, from the perspective of someone who does not seem to be able to understand everything that is going on. Um, if, if this were a more regular character and you were hearing this narrated, it might go along something like, um, in between the trees, through the fence, I, I watched them play golf. They took turns hitting the ball and then one lifted the flag and the other hit the ball and then they went to the table and called for the caddy. Uh, I began to cry and Luster, who had been looking in the grass for a quarter, started to admonish me for crying. Okay, that would have been more a normal perspective. What Faulkner is giving you though is not a normal perspective and from a psychological point of view, you want to start trying to figure out why is this person relating these things this way. First of all, he doesn't seem to understand even what the people are doing. He knows there's hitting, he knows there's a flag, um, and for some reason, he cries when you hear the when he when one of them says the word caddy. Um, he doesn't tell you he's crying though. So this is someone who doesn't have the mental awareness to say. I was crying. The only way you know that he's crying is when he reports someone else talking to him, when Luster talks to him and tells him basically, uh, stop crying. So you have someone who has a very limited understanding of the world. Um, and with Faulkner, especially this novel, you have to read very carefully or it won't make sense. After you've read it and understand what's going on though, it seems very obvious. Once you know that they're playing golf, and then you read the description again, it makes perfect sense. They're hitting, there's a flag, they call for the caddy. Uh, these, these things all make sense. Um, Benji, though, does not have the ability to distinguish things. So you realize he's lower functioning. Also, as you go through, you realize that he doesn't have the ability to speak. 
to other people. He only speaks through the narration, and again, he doesn't know what the narration, uh, what it is that he's narrating. He's almost like a camera. So Faulkner sort of starts to put you in the mind of a character uh, who doesn't fully understands the world, but who records it. Now, caddy, the line where they call for the caddy, will make more sense once you've read farther into the book and you realize that Caddy is Benji's sister who is no longer there. Um, he's unable to distinguish between the Caddy for golf and Caddy his sister. You also get a sense that he doesn't quite understand the permanence of things, which is something most people start to develop very young in life. You know, this is why the game Peekaboo is so amazing for very tiny children because you disappear and then you come back and they don't understand that when things are not visible they still exist. Um, Benji is at the state where of, of, of mental development where he doesn't understand that. When things go away he doesn't know if they exist or not. As you read through Benji's section you'll notice lots of things going away and in Benji's mind that means they vanished for good and then sometimes the things come back. Um, this also gives you a little bit of perspective once you know that his sister Caddy uh, is no longer allowed around the family and has gone away. <clears throat> Excuse me. Caddy is something that has gone away for good. Um, he doesn't have spatial understanding. Um, in the last couple lines I read, they were hitting little across the pasture. Um, he doesn't have the ability to understand this means they're far away. They just look little and they're still hitting. Um, also, uh, when he's looking at the flag, it flaps on the bright grass and the trees. Well, we know spatially that the flag is not actually flapping on the grass and the trees. Those things are in the background. Um, he doesn't have the ability to distinguish these things. So as you go through his section, you will also start to find fair, fairly quickly that he is going to jump back and forth in time. Time is also something to Benji that is not a, a relevant uh, thing. The past is just as real as the present. He doesn't have the ability to distinguish anything. He will see something or hear something or smell something and then his mind will go into a past event. And that past event is just as real to Benji as everything that's existing now. When Faulkner wrote this, he basically classified Benji as an idiot, which is not a derogatory term at that time. That was the technical term for anyone who was considered um, to have mental impairments of any kind, whether they're severely autistic, um, uh, suffered brain damage, uh, or, or any of the other things that would make them uh, with a lower IQ and low functioning. Now, if this were to be written today, Benji would probably be uh, diagnosed with autism, would be one of the likely possibilities. Um, he doesn't have the ability to uh, interact with other people. He would be nonverbal. Um, 
He also doesn't do well with things changing, which is something that is, especially with people on the severe end of the autism spectrum, something that is, is real. They ex- Everything has to occur the same way, the same time, every time, or they become deeply disturbed by it. And this is one of the things you will find with Benji. Um, even years after his sister is gone, he still goes to the fence every day waiting for her to come home from school. He doesn't have the ability to understand change. Everything should be the same for all time. So this kind of gives you a little bit of a sense of how to approach Benji when you're reading him. Um, When you're reading him, do not expect someone who is going to be able to give you a clear narrative. They don't always know what's going on. But he does act as if he's a camera and kind of records around him. Now with Faulkner's novel, you have uh, three other narrators, and the other narrators are of different levels of Benji. They're all telling the same story, but they're all telling it from very different perspectives. The second part is told by Benji's oldest brother, Quentin, and Quentin is narrating his section um, years before, in on the last day of his life before he commits suicide. As you're reading Quentin's section, you'll notice he's a very different um, uh, mental state than what Benji is. Um, he is very much aware of things. He is very much knows what the reasoning is, knows what things are called. But as he's disintegrating into depression, um, his ability to articulate becomes less and less. Uh, by the end of the passage of Quentin, he's almost at the same state as Benji where he's just throwing at you a lot of random associations for long periods of of text. So this is one of the ways that a psychological criticism can help you uh, when you're reading a book, especially a book with a complex psychological character. You start to say, why is this character doing what they're doing? Um, What is their motivation? You can also start to get a sense of when you know why they're doing things the way they are, you can anticipate how they're going to react in certain situations. This type of criticism you would always want to use research with. You know, if you're going to say Benji's autistic, you would want to do research on autism, and especially the severe end of the autism scale, and see how closely it matches. Now, autism wasn't a diagnosis that existed in Faulkner's time, but just because they didn't have a name for it does not mean that it did not exist. Um, Faulkner is a very keen uh, observer of human nature. And what you get with Faulkner's characters, really, if you don't look at them from a psychological perspective and realize what are their strengths and weaknesses and where are their blind spots, Faulkner can be very difficult to understand. There's different levels of psychological seeing. There's the level of the psychology of the character and what they're seeing and how they're presenting the world. And then there's the psychology of you, the reader. Um, You see things uh, that the character may not see. And Faulkner's does this method because he's trying to show that the same story can be told from very different perspectives. And the same story will look very different depending on which character's eyes you're looking through. Uh, Faulkner actually said that this is the novel that taught him how to read. 
And if you read this novel, it will definitely stretch your abilities as a reader. I highly recommend the novel because it is definitely one that you can find a lot more things every time you go into it. I taught the book for years. I've read it many, many times, and every time I read it, I find new things. Um, it's because it's it is very much like you're meeting people. So with Faulkner, especially, uh, and writers like Faulkner, the ones that are in the stream of consciousness style of writing, uh, a psychological critique um, can help you figure out what's going on and not feel so lost. I'm going to wrap up for today, and I hope to see you all soon, and I hope that all of you are well.